the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bug Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader right after the end of the game. The Bug Podcast. Welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name is Mark Isles and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that thinks XG is a K-pop group and that K-pop is a breakfast cereal. Coming up on the 191st episode today, Budget Smugglers, Did Wanderers Invest Enough in the Summer? Emergency Ward 10, Is the Treatment Room Big Enough at Lost Dock? Royal Pain in the... We examine the late collapse at Reading. And Posh Spice, Peterborough and Johnson Clark Harris are on their way. All wrapped up in a podcast that's guaranteed not to crumble in 20 to 30 years. Phillips to McGinley. Now Kelly. McAteer making a run. He gets it. Good control into the box. Walker's asking for it. Now it comes to Walker. Walker turns. Yes! Andy Walker, Andy is back, what a man, what a goal machine, Andy Walker, what a ding-dong do, well done Andy, welcome back. Difficult, windy conditions, takes it, plays it to near post, Kelly tries to get the back header, now Patterson, this is more like it, Kelly, he's there, yeah it's there, Tony Kelly, or was it Andy Walker? Was it Andy Walker? Yes it was Andy Walker, well, yeah, I think it was Tony Kelly. And then Peterborough 1, Bolton 2, as Stubbsy gets this ball forward. Good pass too to David Lee on the far side. David Lee taking them on. Lee swings it into the box. Andy Walker! Yes, Andy is back. Andy Walker scores two goals this afternoon. Okay, okay, before we start an opportunity for your business to get in on the buff and all of our Wanderers coverage on a match day in the Bolton News, propel your business to the local community with Wanderers Boost, a new feature we're offering to advertise your brand on a match-by-match basis. Your brand can be featured in a full-skin digital wraparound four of our key Wanderers articles on the Bolton News website. Now, we're just kicking this off, so all the home and away matches so far are available throughout the season. And not only do you get your business name attached to our most popular articles, but you also get sponsorship of this podcast with up to three audio adverts on an episode of The Buff. Your business will be seen and heard by audiences of more than 30,000 Bolton Wanderers fans every single match. And speaking strictly on behalf of this podcast, people play these episodes forevermore. I am still getting people playing them. They're two, three years old binge watchers. Get involved. It's great for all businesses associated with Wanderers. If you want more information, then contact John Ashley on john, that's J-O-H-N, dot Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, at newsquest, all one word, dot com. His email address is also in the podcast notes. Uh, one more advert this week, and for the rest of September, you can subscribe to the Bolton News for just one pound. That means you get unlimited articles, access to our subscriber-only features, podcasts, videos, interviews, and did I mention that it's just a quid? Go to boltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe it's a quid and now to introduce a man who thought net zero was an instruction given out to Bolton Wanderers substitutes it's Henry Hewitt Henry how you doing (laughs) I like that one that's that's one of my favorites Mark 
Um, yeah, I'm good. We're recording this on a Thursday, so I've had what four or five days now to uh, to de-stress after what happened at Reading. But uh, no, I'm all good. It's uh, the sun is out. It's a few grey skies, but the sun is out in uh, sunny Swinton. So uh, yeah, all good. How about you? I never ask how you are. I always uh, I always just say cares. how I am. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> nobody cares no i'm all right i'm all right it's been quite a quiet week it's obviously everybody's been licking their wounds at wanderers so there's not been a great deal um aside from the odd uh, the odd advert coming out of wanderers here and there um but uh yeah it's all been quite quiet uh reading game obviously on everybody's mind still you went up there well down there wherever it is round there yes um your last away away trip as a as a free man as it were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, my uh, my son, which I, I did say daughter, but it turns out that the uh, the midwife's got it wrong and we're having a son now, um, which is very 2023, isn't it? Isn't I've got to yeah. say. But uh, yeah, so my son will be here. Um, I, randomly, I think the due date is the Barnsley away game, which I know that's going to be called off for internationals. But, mm. um, but yeah, so I thought, well, I'll get one long distance one in um before before he's here and then might have the rest of the season off before i'm getting itchy feet uh, again but um yeah it was uh i thought the ground was nice first trip to reading um the staging was quite nice i've i've been to a lot worse grounds in league one um and uh yeah the first first half was good we should have probably gone in two or three goals up and then uh yeah we'll just leave it there yeah, and then nothing else happened after that. So let's move on. Uh, it's Peterborough this weekend. No, uh, we've got to have to. We're going to have to analyze it. Uh, it was a crazy game. I, I thought they call it transitional nowadays. Don't it used to be like end to end or a basketball match or something, but now it's transitional. Uh, it, it just never seemed to settle. And you're right. What you say, Bolton should have been three or four up by the break. They had clear-cut chances. Had a B.A. Joe just had one of those days where nothing was happening for him at all. He was running in tar once he got in the penalty box. Had a great game other than that, by the way. Um, but I never felt particularly comfortable because I felt, I felt that Reading, given everything that had happened to them, and given the build-up to that, the three points deduction, the protests, the fact there was a protest in the game, the fact they went to goal down seconds after that, I thought they, they came out with a lot of credit, Reading. I don't often concentrate solely on the opposition but I thought they played it especially well given everything that had happened to them yeah I mean they've had a hell of a week haven't they three points deducted and ended it with winning was it eight and nine nil on the other night nine nine, nine at Exeter yeah. as well who were who were leaders of league one at stage, one stage <laughs> yeah. um but uh yeah I, I think um for me in the first half and I know it's as Bolton fans you always get that sort of we need a second goal here. Even if Bolton were coasting against uh, a National League team or a National League North team in the FA Cup, you'd still go, yeah, we need another goal here. But I really felt with that game that there'd been warning signs in the first half. They hit the bar and I just felt in the midfield, Bolton were, were giving the ball away. And um, you know, and then in the second half, obviously, Dion missed his chance. We had a few others. And you could just sense, you thought... These just need one chance and, well, they didn't even get a chance because Savage's goal was a great goal, but it wasn't a, a chance. I felt that first goal, I don't know about you, but I, it had come just after the two yellow cards in the space of 10 to 20 seconds. I think we just lost our discipline a little bit with the referee and then obviously they go and score and, and from then on, a, apart from a Sheehan free kick, I don't think we were really in the game, to be honest. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the referee. Uh, I... 
I'm not a referee beater by any stretch, but I found him very difficult to warm to. <laughs> a lot of his, a lot of his uh, decisions on the day were a bit, were, were, were a lot scattergun. I felt it, it was very difficult to predict what he was going to produce a yellow card for, or what he wasn't. If you know what I mean, when he was going to keep him in the yeah. pocket. Yeah, I, I was especially. The, the, certainly, when you look back and, and, and now that Owen told, I, by the way, first of all, apologies for for incorrectly saying that it was George Thomason straight away. I think I tweeted straight away it was Thomason that got sent off. It wasn't. It was Toll. I knew that. But the Wi-Fi, I swear, dropped the minute I sent it. Realised I was wrong, tried to delete it, and then couldn't, and just went in a mad panic for about two minutes afterwards as I tried to reconnect. But anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, I, I thought the first yellow card that that Toll picked up was an absolute nonsense because he just turned around and just gestured at the Ryans and was like, what, that you know, that that was a terrible decision, which it was. And then he got an instant yellow card. And yet several instances of the same thing happening with Reading players never got picked up on all the way through the game. I, it's very difficult when you've lost a game to pick up on that and make it not look like excuse making. And I think Ian Everett did quite a good job of it after the game, to be fair, uh, sidestep that particular trap because there was plenty of them out there. But uh, for me now, looking back on that game, referee had far too much to do with it, in my opinion. Yeah. It, it, the thing was, it, you think you, you always say with uh, like referees that they, they set a precedent or whatever. And I, yeah. I think he, he booked two of our players in the first 15 minutes the, the the only tackle for me that was a yellow card was Jerome's because he's he's uh you know he's a late tackle and he's yeah. he's just mistimed. The others I felt he could have let go. Like Santos is Santos does that three or four times a game where he's the ball you know where he's he's sort of so shoulder barging with a player and he's booked him for that. You know Toll's first one was arguable. You know it's it's just. Yeah, I, I felt he set a precedent to try and calm the game down. I don't know whether he was uh, impacted with what the crowd were maybe going to do on the Reading side. Maybe. But yeah. then you've got to do that both ways. You can't just go, well, I don't want this to get out of hand, so I'm going to book the Bolton players and not the Reading players. It's Yeah, it got to a point in the second half where it was just really odd. Like They were, they were doing similar tackles and fouls, and they weren't getting booked, yet Bolton players were... Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was it was a strange one. Uh, let's hope this weekend we get a referee that is uh, that has a good history with Bolton. Oh wait, we don't. <laughs> How about the Dion Charles penalty? It was not penalty. Uh, Dion Charles red card because actually I, I initially thought it was just inside the box. It wasn't when I looked at the replay. Um, and the referee gave a, a, a red a red card. Um, uh, gave a free kick rather to Reading for mm. handball. I think in the end. Again, you know, the referee is absolutely miles behind play. It was a poor decision. Let's be honest. And if if he gets a red card there, I think it's game over, really. Yeah, I yeah, I felt the the one where he was through on goal. It's yeah, it, if he's give it, yeah, it was just I don't know, Mark. To be honest, it was just <laughs> odd, like. I thought at the time that he's give it for Dion has dived. Yes, in which exactly. case, yeah. which case you've got to book him. So I was a bit like, well, he's kept his cards in his pocket this time. And yeah, I know Ian Everett said there was a challenge on Dion that that should have been red carded. Obviously, the the chance he had um, where he injured his shoulder, 
he, yeah, Dion should have scored that. But um, looking back at it, and I think I feel at the time I thought he's gone through the back of him there, and mm. it's yeah, I, d I don't know. It was just it was a very strange game. I felt that there's some games that it's probably similar to the one I remember we had. The uh, we had a few in that sort of time where we were struggling financially. I think Villa at home when uh, in the snow, yeah. Derby at home when um, I think Craig Noon scored just after Stephen Derby's sort of yeah, announced. It, you know, I think there's certain games where you're struggling, where you just it all goes your way and you win it. Um, and I think that was the case for Reading. I think Reading are a uh, half decent team. I think I don't think they'll go down uh, unless they carry on with the problems off the pitch and it affects them. But I certainly felt that going off the first half, we were the better side. You could tell we were more settled. They had the youthful energy, but we were sort of batting it away. And uh, yeah, just the first goal was the first goal. I think we lost concentration and it was a, a great strike. Could, could Baxter have done better with it? Maybe, but I think credit to Savage. The second goal, though, was just a, la a lack of concentration. And I think that's the most disappointing thing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And also the fact is they should have been well out of sight. Touched on it before there. Adebayo, couple of big chances. Charles, big chance. Thought Owen Toll had a, a decent header as well. Early doors. Um in the in the was it, it was in the second no, it was the first half rather. Uh, that looked yeah. like it got cleared off the line, but I think the keeper got something on it as well. There were there were several chances, even down to Sheehan's free kick, you know, either side of the goalkeeper there that goes in. They're the small little things you've got to get right, and and that's that's the concerning thing at the minute is that Bolton are only playing in fifteen minute spells at the moment. They're not they're not putting together big performances, and you know maybe Derby was the best one. I think George Thomason said that after the game that that's the only time that he's really felt they've put a whole performance together. And even in that, you can make criticisms that once they went down to ten men, should have gone on and, and actually made that game very safe very quickly, but. Yeah, there's, there's something not quite clicking here. And with all the injuries that are stacking up as well, it, it, Bolton fans, you, you can sense it after a defeat and you can sense it, generally speaking. Um, there is some concern there. Yeah, and that is understandable. And I think it's... We said this at the start of the season, though, is that I think in our time in League One so far, we've kind of given them... Last year had its moments, the year before had its moments, but I think most fans have given them a lot of grace, thinking, well, we're kind of on this journey back. Mm. This year, everyone said they want to get promoted. All the uh, prediction sort of YouTube channels and podcasts have said that Bolton are going to get promoted. So naturally, all the fans are thinking, we're going to get promoted. Like, even I've I've not entertained the thought that we'd be in League One next year. I've just thought, well, we'll be in the Championship next year. It's a sort of this foregone conclusion. And you're not going to win every game. No team does. Even the likes of Plymouth and Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday, who got, you know, 100 points last year, didn't win every game. Like, um, you know, we took a, at least a point off all of them. So, yeah, it, you're not going to win every week. But I think the, the main thing for the fans is, is that just the... I think we can just sense that it's not clicking. There's something not there. Like I look at the squad and the, the first 11 especially, and I think it's a good enough team to, to get promoted. Um, do I think it's a good enough squad in the championship? No, but they'll obviously address that. But I just feel that I'm caught in this place. of I was very disappointed on Saturday. I felt we should be doing better. 
But then at the same time, if you think back to the League One season under Parky, we had a poor September and turned it around afterwards. And and I know it went to the last game, but we comfortably got promoted in the end. It, it was never really in doubt for me. So I, I still think that'll happen. I think with you know you, you look at the games we played so far, and okay, Reading and Wigan are in the bottom four, bottom five, but they wouldn't be if it weren't for the dedu- deductions. And then you've we've played a few other teams that are, are you know like the derbies of this world. So you'd think after playing um, Peterborough, Port Vale, and then Stevenage, we should be playing really teams that are going to be in the sort of mid-table bottom half. So that's probably where we're going to pick our points up. But um, yeah, so I'm quite calm about it. But I also yeah I get that people are upset and frustrated, and you know I think. You, you can forgive teams for losing games, but I just think the two defeats we've had so far this season, I don't, yeah, I, I can understand why the fans were frustrated with them. Yeah, and there's, I mean, they just got to put the big boy pants on. This this is going to happen. There's no point sulking. And, and it's same goes for the injuries. I mean, there are some pretty debilitating injuries there. We could be down to 18 players who have actually played senior football at Bolton on the weekend, depending on what happens with, with Dion Charles, which we'll kind of, we'll come across in a second. But I just want to go down the list of injuries at the moment. Johnston obviously pulled up in pre-season. He's not going to play again this season. Joel Coleman, uh, reserve goalkeeper, maybe you could argue you could do without at the moment, but he's, he's next month, it looks like. Carlos Mendes Gomez is going to be mid-October. Uh, Paris Magoma looks like he's going to be out until international break-ish. Uh, Zach Ashworth picked up something playing for Wales under-21s. Um, so there are sort of five or six players there that probably would be involved. And then there's the big question over Dion as well. Um, now, we're talking here on, on Thursday morning. Straight after the game, Ian Everts said it uh, didn't look good on Dion's shoulder after he he missed that chance, got got hacked down by the by the defender at the same time. Now he said it didn't look great. Explained that there was a, a ligament problem in the shoulder. I think a lot of people have read into that that he's, he's definitely not playing. I don't think that's going to necessarily be the case. But whether or not he can use pain management to to get through, or whether it's fair to, I don't know. That's maybe a different debate. Um, before we hear from Ian Everts, I'm going to put in a clip. Obviously, I'm going to go to a press conference this afternoon. So, in after after Henry, I'm going to put in Ian Everts' point of view. But Henry, right here, right now, if if Dion Charles has got a fifty-fifty chance of playing right now, would you force him to do so? This is where you throw me under the bus, and I say one thing, and any of Ian Everts goes. Anyone who says that is ridiculous. One hundred percent. If it's fifty-fifty, I'd. The thing is with Dion, and as we've said, is that he is an integral part to our team. So if you if you say 50-50 this week, but 100% the week after, and then he'll play for the rest of the season, or 50-50 this week, and then it's gonna he might get injured, and then we're missing for four or five games, I would stick him on the bench, and only if we need him, bring him on. Um, I know people will laugh at that, because with, <laughs> with some of our strikers, we will definitely need him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd, I don't know. I'd be cautious. I'm surprised he played so long on, and I know again, people were, we've not talked about the substitutions. People were really upset with the substitutions. I was really surprised Dion played as long as he did mm. on Saturday. And we said that on the podcast because of his traveling and 
Um, you know, he's not had two weeks off. So, yeah, I, personally, if he's 50-50, I'd start him on the bench and bring him on if we need him. What about you? Uh, well, I'll give my uh, opinion after this clip from Ian Everett. Dion is still very much up in the air. Um, we know that the joint isn't damaged, which is probably the most crucial bit of news. But there is damage with the ligaments that hold the joint in place. So, again, we'll have to take that up to Saturday and make a call. But it's, um, it's definitely a rough spell. Right, so there we go. That's exactly what's happening according to the Bolton Wanderers boss. So my opinion is rendered moot and void. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the magic of editing, hey? Um, right, okay. Should we have some headlines about stuff that has already been in the paper? Yes. Yes, here we go. Um speaking of ian everett something he has said before we've recorded this podcast um is that uh he says that about the squad strength we've spoke about a lot of people's thoughts on the uh on the squad uh and ian everett says we haven't got unlimited funds um but uh he says the budget was sufficient for what he wants to do as bolton manager what do you think well i mean it's opened up a new debate and i think it's it's probably been happening a little bit over the last couple of weeks because Bolton in pre-season obviously had uh, great success with season tickets. They shouted that from the rooftops. They uh, had great success with the bond scheme and raised four and a half million pounds with that. Um, and then also said that some of that money would be used for buying players and improving the squad to get to the championship. Right away after the Barnsley game, Ian Everett said he would be backed by a bigger budget. So I think understandably, expectations, as you as you said earlier, expectations were a lot, lot higher this summer. Fans are expecting to be challenging at the top. And that brings with it a lot of pressure and a lot of ex- a, a lot of, of burden almost on, on the, the players and the manager. So when things are not going so well or when the when a defeat comes along, then it probably magnifies it a bit. But I think the, the discussion's now been raised uh, as to whether or not the money was made of enough money was made available for, for all those things to happen. You know, they talked very confidently, everybody, Sharon Britton, he never, you know, the the board, the the CEO, the players, everybody's talked about automatic promotion. Well that's only going to happen if you've got a squad or built a squad that is capable of doing it. Now, you and I both know we've we've kind of looked through the squad before it started. I think both of us are quite quite positive about the the strength they've got. It's not necessarily reflected everywhere, and we've certainly heard from a few uh, listeners that that feel that they've got uh, deficiencies in some areas. And when a result like that happens at the weekend, then obviously that kind of feeds into that argument as well. And Bolton has sat there in seventh place at the moment and there's been a couple of, of dips, a couple of, of, of poor uh, poor performances and, and results. So, yeah, I think there is certainly an argument to say, could they have pushed the boat out further? Could they have signed more? Could they have, uh, have made more available? And, and, and with all the money that has come in over the summer, where has that been used? We know there's been a lot of 
refurbishments, uh, the LED should be up for the Peterborough game with a bit of luck, and the screen should be there for the Peterborough game this weekend with a bit of luck. That you know, there's lots of brand new sparkly carpets and and such like, and the hospitality is done as well. All these things, training ground, all these things are, are good improvements. They're going to help the pro club move on. But what really boils down is what they do on the pitch, and it's it's whether enough has actually gone into that. You know, the jury is out, even if you and I are, 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 are quite confident that it is. Mm, yeah, it's. Um, I, I think hindsight's a great thing with this, is that if if the likes of Onlundaloo had come in and others and set the world alight, and then no one would be asking this question, I don't think. I think it's and he might, the fact yeah. that... Yeah, yeah, he could do. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel that... Yeah, I, I, this. I mean, we're in. We are in a new world for Bolton Wanderers, where we are spending money on players, in particular strikers, mm. and pressure comes with that. You know, you're bringing in Clayton Donaldson, and no one's expecting anything from him because he's a free transfer. Yet you bring in Daniel Nundalu for hundred grand or two hundred grand or whatever it was, there on a three year deal. Then he's expected to hit the ground running, um, and he he hasn't done that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think no one's. No one's stupid enough as a Bolton fan to think we have unlimited funds or we have the biggest budget in the league because we don't, and I've, I've, that's been proven. But I, I think because we've been spoiled with what Ian Everett and Chris Markham have done, in particular sort of the halfway through the League 2 season and halfway through the League 1 first season, suddenly now everyone's expecting that every transfer is going to hit the ground running and we are going to be... Um, the you know we we're gonna rock it up the league and have a new we're gonna have like four four or five twenty goal a season strikers on on the pitch it just doesn't quite work that way so um, yeah I think uh, I, I'd like to have seen more from a few players I, I think there's some like Dacus Cogley has done very well and he's fitted in very well mm. but there's others that haven't I would like to see more from them but you can't you can't every every transfer whoever you are whether you're Bolton or whether you're Man City every transfer doesn't work out as you want it to 100% and sometimes it takes players a while sometimes a player might come in not show anything and leave in January and you move on it's it's you just hope that they get more right than what they get wrong and I think they have done that but I just think at the moment because a few haven't hit the ground running it's it's easy to look at that yeah and I think it's fair to look at it as well I, I think you you look at the performances mentioned in Lundaloo there but a lot of people looking at Jerome and, and an 18 month contract for him question mark uh, you know Bod Varson's been given an extra year we haven't really seen too much from him since we restarted either uh, a lot of people after Saturday Adbeo just got four goals um, and, and, and a lot of people kind of pointing the finger at him as well I think it's just there's so much expectation. Everybody's looking for a reason, a, a, a you know something to something to pin it on. Um, I think it's more nuanced than that. Of course, it is, and and every club uh, is going to have these little little uh, arguments and, and peaks and troughs to their form, um, as you as you rightly say. So yeah, I, I, I hope that it proves. It'd be interesting if 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 Charles doesn't play. It'd be interesting to see what happens next uh, or if, if Charles doesn't play as much because of this injury in the next say four or five weeks what happens next how how do uh, the the 
Bob Varsons and Lundloos, Jeromes of this world go and and grasp the nettle because they really do owe the manager a bit of performance, if you ask me. Forget forget the sporters for, for one, but he's really stuck his neck out and said, listen, these guys are good enough. These five strikers are good enough to sustain a, an automatic promotion challenge um, um, amongst a lot of calls for him to sign extra strikers. So I think more than anything else, they, they really do deserve... He deserves a bit of, uh, you know, a, a bit of form from them too. Yeah, because you got to remember as well. These we we have got League One players now. You know, we're not signing. I know Cameron Jerome has been in the Premier League, but we're not signing Premier League players who have dropped down. These Dion Charles can probably play in the level above. I've got my questions about the rest of them, um, but they are good. You know, the League One players. And they need to show that they're good League One players. And, yeah, the pressure is on now because you can't rely on Dion all season. He's, he's added a bit of realism, I think, to most yeah. Bolton fans, which he's probably needed at times. But, yeah, you've you've looked at the rest of them and think, well, yeah, Adebayejo, uh, I think, is a good number. He's a good um, partner for Dion. I, I think out of all the players we've got, he is a, the better option. Bod Varson's a very good player, but we're not getting enough games out of him, you know. And then under Lundaloo and Jerome, it just it's just not clicked for him at all. So I think you're right. I think Ian ever he sees something in training. He's not stupid. He doesn't like he he doesn't see that they they're not put rubbish in training, and then he thinks, well, I'm gonna have to play them. If he doesn't like a player, he doesn't play them. We've seen that with the likes of Declan John. So. I think um, there's something there and they need to show it. You're right. And I think Saturday is a big game because Peterborough, you know, are, are seen as um, a promotion rival for us. And if we lose that game, suddenly you've lost, you know, we, we're aiming at uh, averaging two points a game. Suddenly you've you've lost your last two and you've lost three, three games in a, a eight game season or whatever it is. And that isn't promotion farm. So, and then I think because as well, because the teams are all bunched up, we'll end we'll end up being in the bottom half. And I think then that will really be alarm bells for a lot of people. Yeah, especially over an international break. Okay, next headline. Um. So this this got brought up, and I thought it was a very interesting point. Uh, and I think a lot of fans have, have rightly so questioned that. So Ian Everett has said that some of the newer players are struggling with the intensity of training at Bolton. And as a result, have picked up a few injuries and are a bit tired. Now, a lot of people went, well, they've just had a week off in the international break, which is a good point. And I think for, for the untrained eye like myself, you do look and think, well, I know they're training when it's an international break, but they're not, they're not playing. So why are they tired? Um, I mean, maybe you can explain a bit more, but... You can also understand it from me and Evers' point of view, because let's say Dacus Cogley, for example, he's come from Tramia, and I can't imagine for one minute the intensity of the training at Tramia is as high as Bolton's. Um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair point. I mean, I can't really explain it. Uh, it uh, we we merely uh, asked him about the the kind of the build-up of injuries, why injuries had spiked, and he gave his theory for it. Now, we, I, I suppose he's pointing at Magoma, he's, he's pointing at... Uh, at Gomez and Ashworth as well, who've, who've picked up little little muscular problems, and these these are issues he believes are, that are linked to the intensity of his training in comparison to other clubs. Now, 
you know, lessen the intensity of training. I hear you cry, I suppose, but I suppose he he wants them to be at X level, and the only way they're going to get there is is by kind of going going through the wall. And and we saw it maybe with Adebayo uh, Joan and Lundalu last January. They they struggled with with certain bits and bobs. Um, I think Williams did as well at one stage. So I think it's it's almost like a rite of passage for everybody that has to get through this. Uh, to, to achieve the levels of fitness uh, that Ian Everett and his, his sports science team want. Now, you know, it doesn't really help Bolton much in the short term, does it? I mean, you're, you're looking at a, a bunch of new signings that you can't use um, and that, that might not be available now for another uh, two or three weeks. I can completely understand people raising their eyebrows at what he said there, but um, I think that's just the... Uh, that's just the long and the short of it. I don't think there's anything uh, that that can be done. I think he did mention he's looking at, at ways that he might be able to manage it better um, in the in the same interview. But yeah, it doesn't really help you in the short term, does it? When you've, you're without maybe six or seven players now for for a pretty crucial run of games. Yeah, it's a, it's a big period of a season. It's very stop start as well, which I can, I can imagine is um, you know frustrating for a manager and. Uh, I guess, you know, you you mentioned there for likes of the players that we haven't really seen a lot of, to be honest, like Magoma, who has, has come on in some games, but not not started yet. Um, you know, maybe it's better if you think of like February when it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Maybe it's better then when you can get a run of, you, you know, you get a run of games, whereas now it's very, you have a week between games and then maybe two weeks between games. I guess you you do struggle for fitness. So, Hopefully, um, yeah. I mean, Magoma's a good a good point as well because he's he's. I know he played for MK Dons last year, and I think he had another loan deal as well. But he has come from, uh, you know, Brentford under twenty threes, and there's this conversation, isn't there, about how players are better playing in the EFL than for an under twenty threes because the intensity isn't there, and maybe a preseason with an under twenty threes team has shown that he's he's just a bit off the pace at the moment. Aye. Oh, God, blimey. Gloomy stuff. Give me another headline. Um, well, hopefully the the Reading result is the gloomiest that will be, well, post-Wigan anyway, the gloomiest will be for the rest of the season. And uh, George Thomason's hoping for that. He said that the the result on Saturday should be a wake-up call um, and that Bolton really needs to learn how to win when we're not playing well, which for me, and a few people pointed out that this is kind of captain talk. I think for a young man, he's got a quite a, a, a good shoulder, head on his shoulders. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think we've said that from a from an early early age. I mean, still young, but from the first time we really spoke to George, he's always come across as a very mature, composed lad. Um, the other thing I've noticed as well is that he obviously absorbs what he what instruction he's been given by Ian Everett because a lot of the a lot of the phrases, a lot of the sentiments, a lot of the points that Ian Everett puts across. You hear George assimilate it and and to to kind of put his own spin on things as well. When you speak to him after a game or before a game, he's uh, he's on message. He knows what he knows what he's talking about. Um, and I agree with him. I agree with him. Uh, uh, and as much as they have to see Reading as a, a wake up call, you can probably ask how many wake up calls do you need? Because I think we said the same thing after the uh, the Wigan game. Um, but I think they've got to learn, as George said in his interview, that. 
you can't give up give up these this many chances. It you can't go you can't expect anything from a game where you you miss as many chances. So yeah, hopefully hopefully the penny drops. I mean, I'm not sure it's necessarily just something that's going to happen. It's not going to be like you're going to wake up on Monday morning like oh I think I'll I think this week I'm going to score all my chances. Um, but maybe the the frustration or maybe the the criticism that followed the Reading result will have a a positive effect somewhere down the line. But I asked him about, you know, the, the moments in games and, and he talked about a complete performance not yet having been achieved and that Derby was, was maybe the closest they'd come. But I do think Bolton have just been playing in little fits and starts this season. I don't think in any of the games, and they've won some very, very comfortably, I don't think in any of the games you can point to a, you know, a whole performance. They've played a half an hour here and then played poorly and then quarter of an hour here poorly and then played well towards the end. But it's it seems just a bit of a scattergun way that they've been playing this season. And it's been enough to get them points. And I think, do you know what? I think it'll be enough to, to see them around the promotion picture. But I think if you're going to be the top automatic promotion places... You need to be able to grind out results, and even if that, even if you're not playing well, like Sheffield Wednesday last season, I'll use them as an example. Like Plymouth last season, I watched some games, and you just thought with Plymouth, like, how are you up there? You're not playing well at all, but they found a way. And you look at the substitutions uh, last season with Plymouth; their substitutes came on and and gave them a, a raffle as well. I think it was 16 goals they added last season. It was. There was always a way that they got results. With Sheffield Wednesday, they always had a set piece or they had a you know a late goal or just something that they managed to get. Um, Ipswich were a completely different kettle of fish. And I know we're talking budgets and, and that's maybe a different thing. But I think with Bolton, they they need... Maybe it's a belief thing. And, it, and again, that's something that George talked about. Maybe they just need to believe in themselves a bit more. What do you think? Yeah, I... Because they are one of the better teams in the league, and I I do believe that. I think there's a reason we've been put as one of the favourites, and uh, and rightly so. So we, you know, it's not only us as fans. I mean, fans can be critical, and also we can think the, the the team's better than what they are. But you go off what other people are saying, and a lot of people are saying that Bolton have a very good squad. Mm. So in that case, then I mean, to be fair, I, on the way home, I listened to Radio Berkshire and. Uh, they, they, the guy who was presenting was speaking to fans outside the ground, and he was. They were all saying that Bolton look a really good team, and we, we're now having a debrief on this podcast saying how, uh, how poor Bolton were. So, <laughs> so the rest of the league, we have got a good team, and I think, yeah, we need to start believing it. The players need to start believing it. But, um, you know, the uh, Ian ever he says all the time that pressure is a good thing, and it's because you you are good enough that there's pressure on you and. Um, you know, there's more pressure at Bolton than there are arguably than, you know, 21, 22 other clubs in this league. So, yeah, the, the players need to uh, understand that. They need to accept that. And they need to realise that there's pressure on for a reason and they are good enough and they need to... And maybe it's that arrogance, Denny. We just need a bit of arrogance and that we, you know, not cockiness or just like an arrogance of right, we are here to, to, we're going to win the game and you've got to try and stop us kind of thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good with cockiness. I'm good with arrogance. I'm good with any of that. Uh, and, and I think that's, we've said that so many times that that's how Ian Everett's team play best when they are cocky and arrogant on the ball. 
when they've got that bit of bravado about them. And when that gets knocked out of them and they start overthinking things, that's when that kind of possession came falls down and people aren't being brave on the ball. And then there's that kind of latent passing that, that then draws a reaction from the crowd and it's kind of a cyclical thing. Um, yeah, I think they've they've got to simplify things and they've just got to, you know, basically ignore what people are saying. I think in the same way as Ipswich, uh, Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday, Derby to an extent, such a big fan base and every defeat, every negative is 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 debated you know, ad, ad infinitum. Um, it's it happens at Bolton, and I know because I'm in the media. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm one of the ones that does it, uh, and and that's one of the things you've got to live with as being a Bolton player. And it must be a lot of pressure, and it must it must have some sort of effect on you. But nevertheless, you don't get the highs unless you experience those lows. And when it does happen for Bolton, then you know, as they saw with the Papa John's Trophy, it's an amazing feeling. So. Yeah, they've they've got to get the big boy pants on and start playing. I'm afraid. Yes, very much so. Um, right, the next headline is uh, we spoke about Dion Charles and getting injured in the Reading game. He almost never made the Reading game because uh, of a bizarre bug. What can you tell us about this? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's one of those things that would have been a brilliant story had he not have already picked up an injury at uh, Reading and. Obviously, the, the, the feet kind of clouding over it anyway. But yes, a, a Kazakhstan or Kazakh bug insect of some description. Apparently, he got, he got one on the way back. Uh, his leg ballooned up so that he wasn't likely to play. I like the Michelin man or something. Um, and it was only very last minute that Dion Charles even played at all. So the fact that he scored and played quite well on the day is, is even more remarkable, really. And it's even sadder that his, uh, his day should end, have ended as it did. Um, but yeah, only at Bolton. Only at Bolton could a Kazakhstani bug have jeopardised a player. Yeah, uh, and a one-legged Dion Charles uh, proved... Yeah. Uh, you Don't, know, say he's... <laughs> Don't say uh, it. Don't say it. So, uh, yeah, hopefully a one a one-shouldered Dion Charles can... Uh can also get some goals. Personally, um, I, I've spoken to a few people this week and a few of them have already suggested that they would play him in a sling. So, yes, that could happen. That could happen. Okay. Um, so, uh, he will, if he is playing in a sling, he'll be coming up against Farmer Wanderer, Peter Chioso, now Prelizzi's trade at Peterborough. He's now the Peterborough captain as well. Um, and he scored a really good goal on, on Tuesday against Cheltenham. So, he's, he's in farm. Uh, and it'll be... Um, well, I don't want to say it'd be nice to see him. Um, <laughs> he was only here for a few months. But um, maybe, I don't know, maybe now he's back in League One, I guess he gets put in that bracket of, of former Bolton players where if it's going uh, if he's going wrong, then fans go, well, he's in our league. Maybe we could get him back. Ha. He was like the original... It was it was the love affair of the lone right wing back, wasn't he? He was, he was yeah. Kioso, then it was Fossey, then it was Bradley... And thankfully, Dacus Cockle has broken the chain. But no, it would be nice to see uh, Peter Kios. I thought he was really good I mean, when, when he was at Bolton. I was yeah. gutted when they couldn't get him back. I think he went to Northampton or something on loan afterwards, which was a really odd move. But yeah, I, I think he's, he's a good player. He's obviously uh, gone to Rotherham and not really had a great time of it there. I think he had a couple of injuries and... Um, Peterborough, who are very, very good at spotting this sort of thing, uh, have, have, have spotted that he uh, 
he was available and might make them a bit of dosh down the road because I think if I'm not mistaken, they're looking to turn that one into a permanent eventually. So, um, yes, captaincy all uh, all helps that. They've they've changed the captaincy. They had a bit of a dodgy start to the season, Peterborough, but it looks like they're starting to settle a little bit now. And I, I think Kyoso will will definitely help them. He's he's always been a good talker, Kyoso, and I think he does come across quite well in interviews. Yeah, um, I I I can't say I've watched many of his interviews, but he seemed like. Um... I think for us, he yeah. I just remember that goal at Scunthorpe he scored, um, and there was a few others like Barrow he scored as well. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I think Northampton were in League One at the time. That's probably why he made that move. Even though yeah. obviously, maybe if we had crowds in when he was playing, maybe it'd be different. But I guess you know when you're playing in front of an empty stadium, you might you could be playing at Old Trafford, the Etihad, uh, Bolton Stadium, or. Northampton's ground, it doesn't matter, does it? But um Northampton's yeah, ground. Yeah, the uh, six fields. <laughs> that's the one. Um so yeah, I think it's uh I, yeah, I think he's he's he is a good player and he uh you know, I think he's one to watch definitely on uh you know, on Saturday, along with uh, Johnson Clark Harris actually. This is uh hmm. who uh, this is there been more rumors this week that he could have joined Bolton or we got offered him or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I'm not entirely sure why it should crop up again. It's nothing that I haven't already done before. But yes, there was a, a couple of the uh, transfer rumor websites that have have picked up on something I I said. Yeah, as we rightly know, Peterborough hawked uh, Clark Harris, uh, Norburn, a couple of others around everywhere they possibly could, and in in League One and above and below. Um, as we mentioned a couple of weeks back, Wrexham and Bristol Rovers were the ones that bit on Johnson Clark Harris. Bolton passed. Ian Everett said, you know, he's a good player. Of course, he's a good player, but he doesn't fit our mould. And in fairness to Ian Everett, uh, Johnson Clark Harris doesn't fit Peterborough's mould either. Uh, you know, Darren Ferguson is playing him. Of course, he's playing him. But you get the sense that he wants to move on and play a different way. And, and the, there's a couple of the younger players, uh, Ricky J. Jones being one of them, that I think they'd rather have playing up front with a bit of more of a mobile team. Um, but he's, he's caught betwixt and between, really, until they sell Clark Harris. And they've got to keep his value up as well. So they've got to keep on playing him. Um, I think it's a bit of a tricky one for him. Yeah, and he scored the other night. It must be every time he scores, it must be the... the... You know, Darren Ferguson and Darren McAnthony must be really, really happy on one part. Well, then, oh, no, we've got to keep on playing him now <laughs> uh, on the other part. Um, right, and finally, with the headlines, a former posh player, Ricardo Santos, um, he's, he's obviously, he's had the better of Johnson Clark Harris, hasn't he, in the, the battles he had last year. But he may have to tread a bit more carefully on Saturday, as we, we sort of mentioned before. Yes, referee Ross Joyce is in charge, and he, if you don't know of him, let me let me cast your mind back to a stormy day at Morecambe a couple of seasons back, where he sent uh, Ricardo Santos off for deliberate handball. The EFL then overturned that red card. Then let's wind ourselves forward to a, a boiling hot day at Vale Park, and he sent. Off Rico again. I think that was second yellow card that time, though. Um, yeah, two two meetings, two red cards, and I think after the game at Port Vale, Ian Everts said something along the lines of he felt it was a bit personal. 
And whether that's right or wrong is 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 a bit moot. I don't think it is personal. I'm, I don't think referees work that way, really. It's a, it's probably unfortunate. Um, it couldn't happen again, could it? It couldn't disprove my theory. Surely not. Surely sure. not. Like he's, we've got him, that fella, and the other fella that has uh, sent Dion Charles off twice, despite <laughs> it being Kuchunga the first time. <laughs> so we, we, yeah, we need to get out of League One with these referees having, uh, you know, <laughs> who Rachel, just, we getting PTSD. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, at least you're at home this time. He's not sent, uh, just like the, the other fella's not sent Dion off away. This guy's not sent Santos off at home. But like, yeah, it's, um, yeah. It, well, that, this is the thing. Santos's game is very physical. And um, I know that especially the Port Vale sending off was, he was kind of grappling with a player as he normally does. And, uh, you know, if he's going to, if Johnson Clark Harris is going to play on Saturday, then he's, he's going to be in for a battle. So, uh, maybe you should tread a bit carefully, but uh, yeah, we. Um, I'm sure Rico. Where it'd be interesting. I'd love to be a fly on the wall when he's handing in the team sheet. <laughs> yes, very much so. Very much so. Okay, right. Uh, we may as well check in with the fantasy football league. Very quick update on a terrible week for me and Henry, really. Well, actually, it wasn't that bad for you, at least. Uh, I'm down to 75th in the Buff Fantasy League on 297 points. Um, and I am ahead of you by 13 points. You're in 141st. You actually went up a few places this Oof. week. I didn't even um, update my team. Henry taking his responsibilities very seriously, ladies and gents. Um, <laughs> top three, uh, Burn the Aces at the top. That's Daniel Smith's team on uh, 343 points. Second to Irish Dancers. That's Stephen Irish's team. One point behind 342. And third is Careless Whisper. Harry Crossland, 340. And to quote the great Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. Email time. Take it away, Phil. Is that Philip Moresh? <laughs> Yes, we've had uh, quite a few emails off the back of last week's emails, weirdly enough. So we might be able to make this a thing. Please keep keep uh, keep keep them coming. Keep your views coming. I'll read out a couple now. And um, I definitely like the Quantum Leap Theory ones, by the way. There's a couple in the tank for that. So we may be able to do a, a special email episode just on those if, uh, if they keep on coming at the quality uh, that we've had this week. Uh, this one, however, is from a, a different email. This one's from James Kane, uh, Mark and Henry. I listened with interest to one of the emails you read out last week from Alan B. And I bet he didn't think his theory on Dion Charles would be tested so soon. Like a lot of Bolt Mondra supporters, I had reservations about bringing in Dan and Lundaloo back in the summer, along with giving a man in his mid-30s, Cameron Jerome, an 18-month contract last January. In general, Ian Everton, Chris Markham's recruitment has been good, but I'm worried that when money has been made available, i.e. January onwards, the quality of signings has decreased when we needed to be building towards the championship. 
I wonder, what are your thoughts on players who were brought in over the summer? Do you think they have made have been made with the division above in mind? I have my doubts. So, uh, yes, last week's email from Alan B was quite critical, I think, of, of some of the players, particularly the attacking players. He, he asked what would happen if Dion Charles were to get injured. We are now facing said scenario, um, albeit we're not sure exactly whether he's going to play at the minute. Um, on Saturday against Peterborough. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's something we're all thinking. We're all looking at the record. We're all looking at Adebayo last week coming off the back of a, a good performance everywhere with the exception of the penalty area. We're looking at three substitutes who haven't scored this season. Uh, and, you know, they've all got their own individual issues. Um, I mean, uh, recruitment, I don't think recruitment as a whole was actually too bad in the summer. I, I think there are still... Points to prove for every one of them. And obviously, a couple of them are out injured now, so they're not going to get a chance before the international break. But I think you can only really judge the strength of a window with with a whole season's hindsight. So I'm not one of these that's just going to jump on and say, oh, your recruitment was terrible because they haven't scored yet or whatever. That we'll only know if the team succeeds in what where they're going. Um, the interesting point here, I think, is do you think they've been made with the division above in mind? Now, you said earlier that Dion Charles is the player that you think would step up to the championship. I'd say Santos, you could throw in that as well. Um, yeah, sorry, I was talking about strikers. Oh, fair enough. Uh, uh, Baxter, I think there's, there's probably a handful. Dempsey, definitely. Um, you know, there, there are a handful, I think, playing the championship. Thomason as well, I think, would be in there. Are there enough? Uh, there was a long time where Bolton were in League 2 building as a League 1 club. And then the same got said when they were League One club. We're, we're signing players that can play in the championship. But do you think that's happened this summer? Yes, I think, um, yeah, you look at Baxter. I think Baxter's done well so far. Um, you know, I think he made some great saves. It could have been a lot worse against Reading. Um, and then you look at the others. And for me, I think Forrester, we don't really talk about Forrester. He's not had a run of games, but I think there's enough there to tell me that yeah, he is a he's a good player, mm. and he can play in the championship. Um, for me, other than that, and Dacus Cogley, who's who started well, but again, he's he's come from Tranmere, so you'd like to think that he can play in a higher league. But it it'll be very difficult. Well, he has played championship very... football at Birmingham. In fairness to him, right? Okay, well, fair like fair enough to him. But um, so yeah, maybe he can if he's played there before, he can uh, he can go and do it. I think the others. For me, someone who we haven't really mentioned, I know he's injured, is uh, Mendes Gomez. He scored a great goal against Salford, but other than that, for me, I think he's underwhelmed a bit. Right. Um, I, I expected a bit more, but then again, you know, he's, can you really judge much of him at the moment? I, I think don't think he's, he's found definitely... his niche yet, has he? That's the, that's the problem. And I think the same with Magoma. When you're just coming on and, and trying to affect games in bits from the from the bench, it's hard to, to judge properly. And, and Gomez, you know, he started up front and he started... Uh, midfield, he's played a bit of right wing back. He's he, he's kind of trying to trying to see where he fits in, I suppose. Yeah, and uh, if you look at those on paper, if we looked at it on paper, you could look and go, yeah, Baxter. I, I think the players that have been given a few year contracts, you're talking Baxter's, um, Mendes Gomez, Forrester, you know, Dacus Cogley. Then you look and think, right, well, they are clearly looking at them players and thinking they can do it in the championship. Magoma, I think, is also a player. Who'd even though they've they've only said it with Zach Ashworth, and I think he's another one who may you know could do it in the in the championship, but I've not seen enough of him to judge that yet. And I'd, I'd 
don't think we've really seen him in League One yet to see. We've seen him in cup games, haven't we? We've not really seen him yeah. in League One to say, well, he can do it in this league. Magoma's one who they haven't publicly said, yeah, we're looking to sign him afterwards. Um, but you can definitely sense that at 22, being loaned out from a Premier League club, he's probably like... It's a possibility, like, it? yeah. Yeah, a bit like Unlunderloo. So um, I would say Magoma hasn't really played much higher than League One, but he's definitely someone who they've brought in and thought, okay, yeah, for the championship. I mean, Unlunderloo, they've, they've brought in and... They, you know, they've not brought him in for this season. They've brought him in thinking he can do it in the Championship, despite the fact that he's not quite done it yet in League One. So I think when you look at the players on paper, yeah, they've brought them in with the Championship in mind. Um, but each one of them, I think he, maybe Mendes Gomez is a bit different, but each one of them, they've brought in thinking of a Championship. But if they just stay in League One, they're not going to be stuck around thinking... What am I doing here? I got promise would be get promoted in a year, so I'm going to leave. Leave the re- I look at them, them players, and think they're gonna if they if if it's not with Bolton, if they want to move to the championship, they're going to have to play really well for us. It's not whereas Mendes Gomez maybe would feel that okay, if I don't have a good season this year, then I can just sign for another League One club who could get promoted and push on from there. Yeah, yeah, no, it's interesting, and and obviously we talked about a debate about budgets for automatic promotion league one but my word there is a big uh, decision, big budget decision to be made further down the line if bolton get anywhere near uh, particularly if they're in the yeah i'd say if they're in the top sort of six in january there are some big big decisions to be made for football ventures as to how far they push the boat out to make signings in january um or whether they go with what they've got and and hope that they can get all the kind of the rebuilding or the the improvements done uh, the following summer. But uh, yes, watch this space. As they say, second email from Dave T says, Mark and Henry, uh, if I was going to quantum leap into anyone's body, it would be the referee who refused to call off that game against Everton at Burnham Park when Peter Reid broke his leg. If he'd stayed fit, Bolton had an international class player on the hands and could have sold him for a lot of money. In the end, they got a pittance and it all turned very ugly. He says, I'd also like to jump into the body of Johnny Evans and just not turn up for work when he was supposed to march to Holden. That team could have qualified for Europe and it would have been very different for Owen Coyle. Um, two interesting ones. One old, one new-ish. Um, actually, it's not ish. It's not even. It's 10 years, man. Um, mm. Yeah, the, the Reedy one's interesting. It was absolutely pelting down with snow, icy pitch. I think it was a boxing day. If memory, well, if memory serves, it was before I was born. But, uh, yeah, the referee didn't call the game off. He collided with a goalkeeper who's, I've forgotten what his name is now, but uh, I'm sure somebody will tell me. Um, but, yes, collided with a goalkeeper, broke his leg. This is a young Peter Reid who's, you know, everybody was watching him as being a, a next bright thing. Took him about a year to recover from that one. I think he got another one as well. Uh, it ended up in all sorts of contractual disputes and leaving for about 60-odd grand um, at Bolton, whereas, you know, it would have been worth a lot, lot more than that if he'd have stayed fit. Totally agree with that one. Um, but yes, the Johnny Evans one. Johnny Evans. <laughs> I'd like to jump into the body of Johnny Evans and just, I don't know, jump off a short pier, potentially. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, not not really, not really. I'm not I'm not that type of guy, but uh, I'm sure Stu Holden will have probably. Uh, I think he he tweeted something the other day, didn't he? Of one of the graphics that Young Dan put out about a what if moment. What if I hadn't gone in for that tackle? Um, 
And I totally agree. What what would have happened? He could have he could have done anything, Stu Holden. That midfield was as good as anything. Chungi, Davis, Mwamba, Holden. Wow. Yeah, and I think one of the um the one of the faults with Big Sam's team uh was for all the great players that we had, there were no sell on value for them. And the irony is is that we then had a midfield where let if they were playing for Brighton now, they'd be going for hundred million each. Mm. Um and the irony is that Bolton got nothing because uh, Davis and Holden got injured. Uh, Mwamba obviously had to retire. And then uh, Chung Yun Lee, what was it, two million in the end? Yeah. So he made two million from that midfield, which is uh, no one seems to mention. I think we've mentioned a few times of these what if moments, these sliding door moments for Bolton. And I think if all of them had stayed fit, then we we could have. We could still be in the Premier League because we would have made money off them, hopefully reinvested it well, and then uh, been in it when the money started to get stupid. Yeah, no, I totally agree. They only had to stay in the Premier League for about one, two more seasons and the money would have been stupid. And like I say, it, uh, it was a perfect storm, everything that happened after that moment. But I think that midfield, that that team... It was as good to watch as anything, really. I really enjoyed that team at the time. Um, they were playing such good football, and Holden was being watched by every decent club in the country. He was he was going to be uh, Golden Balls, as they called him. But, yeah, hey, it's uh, it's a cruel game, football. Um, if you've got emails, especially these Quantum Leap ones, I do like them. There's a couple in the tank, but if... Um, if you've got some uh, some interesting ideas on, uh, if you remember the the old show Quantum Leap, you used to just jump into the body of uh, a famous historical figure. We only want wanderers, obviously. I don't want any Christopher Columbuses or Henry VIII or anything. <laughs> um, yeah, jump into the body of a Bolt Wanderers figure and uh, and tell me what you change in history. Here's how to get in touch. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on the buffmail at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-B-U-F-F-M-A-I-L, all one word, at gmail.com. And sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. Right, time for us to put our neck on the block and to predict the outcome of some football matches. Pass us me crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Peter Bree United up on Saturday. Henry's mate Dara is in town. Um, never won on Bolton soil. They've never even scored at the new stadium. Not since Bolton moved from Burnham Park. So there is a, a good record to be upheld here for, for Wanderers. It's rare that you get these ones because they usually... We usually talk about the... You know, the Jinx Stadium, like the, the Derby or the, I don't know, Ipswich or, or Liverpool or what have you. But uh, Peterborough's Jinx Stadium is actually Bolton. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny, isn't it, when you look at where the two clubs are now and have been for the last, I don't know, well, since Bolton have, have gone out the uh, the Premier League. We've played them a few times now, yeah, um, before then, but we'd never played them. I think we played them in the early 90s. and Yeah. And, that was pretty much it. So it's certainly uh, history-wise, uh, yin and yang, but uh, modern history. Um, yeah, Peterborough have been in the championship so like a, 
it's been closer to Peterborough being in the championship than Bolton. So be a tough game. They, they're obviously they, they're changing the style and they've had a, 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 a bit of a iffy season. They, they started very well like we did. I think we were joint top with them after three games. And then um, they they tailed off. And have, I think other than the winning on Tuesday, they haven't won in the league since. So, um, yeah, they'll be looking to... I think it, for them, and I only know of Peterborough what I see and obviously have a vested interest in what we do, but like... I think for their fans, they they'll see this as a big game, as a um, you know, a where are we going sort of thing yeah. with the season. If they get a result at Bolton, they can start to look up. Whereas if we beat them, suddenly they might be looking and going, well, we might scrape the playoffs uh, like we did last year. So, um, but for Bolton's sake, yeah, we need to keep this run going. We need to get everyone back on board. It's a big few weeks for us. Um, you know, Peterborough and Port Vale and Stevenage and. You know, don't get me wrong. I think Port Vale. I know they lost the other night, but and Stevenage, they've done very well. Do I think they'll be at the top at the end of the season? Probably not. So, um, you know, at the moment, it's a big the big games on paper. Maybe over the course of a season, they won't be. But if Bolton can get nine points, then that will definitely put us, from in my opinion, back in the top two, and we're looking. We're looking then at a, a few games against the Northamptons of this world and, and whoever else we've got in October where you, you're expecting us to win and we can start to put a run together. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's a lot of pressure on it. And also you've got the big crowd factor. It's the community day, the first community day of the season. £10 tickets uh, for adults, £5 for concessions. Now, I've, I've seen a lot of comments on online. Uh, never win on community day. You know, it's always a, a bit of a stigma around it now. Um, interesting thing about Derby last time out it's the first time uh, that uh, sorry it's the biggest crowd I should say it's the biggest crowd that Bolton Wanderers have played at at this level of football and won so there's 22,754 people there for Derby Um, only six other crowds at this level of football have been higher uh, across the two uh, Burnden as well Uh, but Bolton have failed to win on all six of those occasions. So there is something to it. I think it's a bit unfair on Ian Everts Bolton, to be fair, because I think they've they've actually avoided it. If you take out the the Wigan pair of results, um, they lost against Sheffield Wednesday, they lost against Ipswich, they lost against Rotherham with 20 plus thousand, but they all went on and got promotion. So it's not like a, a massive uh, shame factor in that one. Um I think it's those Wigan ones that make people think, oh, big crowd, big event, you know, and, and Bolton struggle. But nevertheless, you, you expect probably 20,000 plus again at the weekend. There is going to be a lot of fans there. And I think we've we've talked about this before. A lot of fans there that don't always go to Bolton games, not every week. And so they maybe have slightly different expectations, different ideas about how the game should be played. There is always a different atmosphere when there is a crowd on plus 20 grand, in my opinion. Um, and I think that's something the players have to get over. Yeah, there is. I think it's um, I think it's still a, a good atmosphere. I know, I know some people will sometimes say, yeah, but you've got more more families there. So it's not as sort of raucous as it can, it can sometimes yeah. be. But um, I think it's always still a good atmosphere. And um, and yeah, Bolton. This it's a it's big. These um, you know family days are big games anyway because you know if the club are looking to you know forget what happens on the pitch. I think if the club are looking to um, 
get these these fans and have consistent Next generation job yeah yeah and it's consistently like because in the premier league i remember we were getting twenty eight thousand full houses you know i i didn't uh, me and my dad didn't have a season ticket at the time so we had to sit in the you know they used to if for those who've who, who were young enough not to remember they used to half the away stand and have home fans in the other half and we had to go sit in that part because we we you know we couldn't get a ticket anywhere else so that's where it used to be and i think now for bolton obviously dropping down the leagues they're going to get less you know less fans but i think if, if bolton are trying to build it and then when they get in the championship uh keep these fans then um yeah they need to they do need to put on a good performance on the pitch it needs to be a great day and and people want to you know want to come back 13 of the top 18 gates attendances at this level have been to watch an Ian Everett team but yeah it's it's a feel-good factor and and yeah okay we you know lose against Reading and everyone's uh you know everyone's moping about but on the whole at Bolton there is a feel-good factor here that we haven't seen in years and I think you people sense that people sense that it, Bolton are an approachable club again if you look at five or six years ago, we weren't. We could have been giving away tickets, and we'd have still got sixteen thousand. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's a there's an a Bolton are an attractive club at this. You know, I've got mates who are uh, who are United fans, and they're taking their. You know, I've, I've I have told them. I've said, just be quiet that you're a United <laughs> fan. But um, no, no, name bring... and shame, Henry. I want to know exactly which seat they're sitting in. <laughs> um, but they're you know they're bringing their. Their kids, or they they're going along to the mm. to the games, and they want to do it. Bolton is seen as this option, where isn't United or City, that is, you know, well, I say affordable. That's Derby fans would argue about that, but um, you know, we're an attractive option, and that's what uh, the board have done, and that's what Ian Everett's teams have done, and uh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me now. It doesn't surprise me that. Um, I mean, also to be fair. This is probably the longest we've spent at this level in a long time, so maybe yeah. that has something to do with it. But considering the nineties, we were getting what like seven or eight thousand attendances. Like, 100%. yeah, I think it's um, it doesn't surprise me. That the, right, the give me a, give me a, give me a, give me a prediction then. Um, I think we'll, I think we'll get back to winning ways. I hope so, anyway. Um, so I'm going to say. I think it'd be a one nil like last year. I think we'll get a goal near the end and, and nick it. I'm gonna go two nil Bolton, Josh Sheehan and Dion Charles scoring with his sling. <laughs> in off the sling, shoulder in, and then uh celebration. Um celebration in the corner. One one arm sheer esque celebration. Um yeah. Just a quick touch on the Tuesday night then. Um, very briefly, United's kids are in town for the EFL. I mean, God knows what team they put out there, by the way. <laughs> With all the injuries, I'm not sure you can necessarily yeah. play a second string. Um, I'm more interested, just can we get Johnny Evans playing for United's kids? Surely that'll put an extra couple of grand on the gate. May, yeah, maybe, but it'd be a bit under... if Johnny Evans' big return to Bolton, to uh, the Tough Sheet Community Stadium, I think needs to be a full house and people booing him rather than uh, 4,000. Well, actually, United will probably bring 2,000, won't they? So 6,000 fans. Um, but then again, when there's a lesser crowd, you can hear what people are saying more. So, uh, 
Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But then again, with the way United are playing, Johnny Evans might be in the first team, so yeah. who might which, not get to see Which him. well-known podcaster can I hear calling Johnny Evans a bleeping bleep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear, dear, uh, many a yeah, true was, word said in jest. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, it was interesting on Saturday when you, uh, yeah, you get to hear other Bolton podcasts in and around you and what they what they're <laughs> shouting and stuff. So yeah, it was it was fun. It's all fun. Well, stay tuned to this Bolton podcast for now. Uh, we'll be back again next Friday, um, and. Hopefully with better news, hopefully with a couple of wins to talk about and, you know, just a bit cheerier, please, because, uh, you know, all this moping and groping, all this moping and groping, I'll do the moping, <laughs> you do the groping, Henry, if, if that's all right. <laughs> I don't need, I, I mean, what's going on in the news this week, I don't need that attached to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please tune in again next Friday is what I'm trying to say um, until that point in time. He has been Henry Hewitt. And you have been Mark Isles. And that has been the buff. <laughs> <laughs>